All right, we are still on our study, Biblical Forgiveness. Our study of Biblical Forgiveness, this will be Lesson 3. Biblical Forgiveness, Lesson 3. We are going to dive into more into Biblical Forgiveness. It's very important that we're applying these principles, and we're not just learning these principles, but we need to apply them. Uh, it is said... That a lot of our issues, a lot of the challenges we face, have a lot to do with forgiveness. We're talking about spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. A lot of some of the physical issues we have, emotional issues we have, spiritual issues we have, have to do with forgiveness. There's some forgiveness that's required, and we're not doing it. And so it is hinder us spiritually. It has hurt us emotionally and physically. We probably have got sick because of it. Doctor diagnosed one sickness, but that sickness only came up because you're not forgiving someone cause additional stress to come in your body or cause your body to just deteriorate and something got affected by it. And so now you're dealing with sickness. So forgiveness is probably the subject or probably the thing that you want to really review your life and measure it with. Where in my life that I need to forgive? Where in my life that I'm not forgiving? We're in my life that I'm holding something against someone. We're in my life that I'm operating in unforgiveness, but I'm calling it something else. So tonight we'll get in a couple of things. So I've got a big question before we get started. How much credit does God give you for loving your friend? Not a trick question. How much credit... Does God give you for loving your friend? All right, let me ask you another question. Give it to me, Brother D. What's that? Okay. How much credit does God give you for loving your family? Because both get the same answer. You get no credit from God. For loving your friends, you get no credit from God. For loving your family, you get no credit from God. For loving those that love you, you get no credit. No credit. You're not impressing anybody by that. Well, maybe you'll impress somebody. But the Lord is not impressed by you loving your friends by you loving those that love you, by you loving your family. God is not impressed by that. Don't get quiet to me. Interact with me tonight. All right? I want you to interact with me tonight. I don't want you to get quiet on me tonight. Matthew 5, 43. We'll clear, we'll make that very clear to us. Matthew 5, 43. Verse 43 says, Ye have heard that it had been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. You've heard it said. I don't like them. They did me wrong. Verse 44 in Matthew chapter 5 says, But I say unto you, this is what Jesus is saying, Almighty God, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. He went on and said, bless them that curse you. That word bless means do good to them that curse you. So Jesus is telling us, love your enemy. Do good to them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I'm waiting for some wiggle room. I'm waiting for us to, anybody have any questions right now as to something you want to, you know, give us with that statement Jesus just made? Yeah. 
You don't want to. Is there something that maybe Jesus not understanding? Is Jesus a little off with that? Is there something that maybe Jesus didn't take into account when he said that? Maybe you have an answer there. Is there something Jesus did not take into account when he says, love your enemy, do good to them. He says, bless them, do good to them that curse you and do good to them that hate you. And then he went on and said, and and pray for them that despitefully use you. Anyone? Did Jesus miss something there? And you want to add something and say, well, here's what he wasn't thinking about why he said that. You know, we're good at that. So is it safe to say if we do contrary, we don't have an excuse as to why we're doing it. There's no justification as to why we're doing it when Jesus himself gave us these commandments. So what I like to try to say to us, me and you and anyone that reads the word of God, please just be honest with yourself and don't just overlook, ignore, uh, be angry, uh, just, just, just don't practice the word of God. Say to yourself, I need to do this. I'm not doing it. And I don't have it to the point where, you know, I'm doing it, but I need to do it. Can we get to that place? Mama Allen, we need to say, that person did me wrong, and I just can't stand them. But that's wrong, and I'm going to have to work at it to fix that. That's all the Lord is asking from you. Because once you can say that, then you eventually, as you pray every day, as you come to church and you worship, eventually God will tenderize your heart enough to give you what you need so you can fix it. But just not even admitting to it, you can't get out. You, you, you can't get past it. You can't fix it. And so we can't draw that line and make it like, oh, and we have all these thoughts about the individual because of what they've done to us. We're going to move into that a little bit. 45, that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven. He says, when you do those things, you are called my children. We like to say we're children of God. Well, you can't be a child of God if you got a problem with people that's using you. <laughs> you can't be a child of God. You can't be considered a child of God according to God, not you. According to God, you cannot be considered a child of God if you don't bless them that curse you. So you know what it means? Tom, I heard, said some really mean things about me. Instead of me saying, he got a nerve, look at him. Instead of me saying that, I need to think about the good about Tom and say that. Because everybody got some good in them. I don't care who it is, they've got some good just as much as they've got some bad. Look for the good and say the good. As opposed to saying they got some nerves saying that about me. Please, I remember when they were this. I remember when they were that. And look at what he did and look what she did. No, 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 no. That's not what the word of God said. The word of God says that bless them that curse you. Do good to them that do you wrong. So here's Jesus. He he doesn't leave any wiggle room. So we don't have any way to really treat anybody wrong Mm. (laughs) let you let let you into some pastoral stuff shouldn't do this probably but i'm still gonna let you in can't help myself sometimes and i don't feel the holy ghost tell me not to um so here is a common theme in churches with pastors and the congregation. The saints that show up the least usually want the pastor's time the most. 
I'm just telling you how church run. This is this is not just Christ centered church. It's been like that since I've known the church. And I'm sure it's been like that since you all known the church. It's just always been that way. That the people that show up to church the least are the ones that require the pastor's time the most. So here's what the pastor stuck with. Nowadays we can say text. You got a nerve texting me talking about you need some time. And so guess what? The pastor feel like texting back and says, come to church more. And maybe you'll have the answer to what you're asking me. <laughs> I'm just that brother there. I could, could relate because he understands. That's just human nature of how I feel. Come to church some come to church some more, and then you will you would have had the answer for what you're asking me. That's how I feel. But guess what I do? Hey sis. Hey bro. Yeah, I might be a little tired right now, but if you can be available at so and so time, we can get together. And then when we get done talking. Either I pray for you right there on the spot or while I'm leaving, I pray for you. Because if you're using me, that's fine. But the Bible told me to pray for them that use me, despitefully use me. We're all, you know, worried about people using They use me. I'm not messing with them. You're not being a child of God. You're not being a child of God. (laughs) Tough, huh? It's not tough when you practice it. It's only tough because... You can sit back and think about what you have done and say, whew, I didn't do that. But once you start practicing, it's not tough. For he make it his son. This is the Lord. He make it his son to rise on the evil and on the good and send it rain on the just and the unjust alike. So God is showing us something here that he treats the just and the unjust alike. So he's saying, if I'm doing it and I'm the father, what should you do? So he says, for if you love them which love you, watch this, what reward have you? Remember what I just asked you? He says, if you love them that love you, what kind of reward do you get? Question mark. And you know, God don't ask questions that he don't know the answers to. Right. So when God starts asking a question, you just need to smile like I smile when he asks me the question. What what alternative do I have? Anytime God asks you a question, just smile and just say to yourself, what does he want me to say? Because because he knows the answer to this question. So I better figure out what does he want me to say? Adam, where art thou? Oh, you think God don't know where you are, Adam? So Adam had to come clean. I'm naked, Lord. I'm naked. How you know you're naked? Lord asking questions like he don't know. The Lord knows everything. So when he asks you questions, start worrying. Say the right things. Can't lie to him. And if you salute your brethren only, if you only say hi, what do you more than others? Do you even, he says, do not even the publican do so? So what he's saying is the publican say hi to their friends. So when you say hi to your friends, you're not saying nothing. You got to say hi to people that is not your friend. Be therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. And so those are some tough scriptures to deal with. But I move on because you wanted to get past that a little bit so you can breathe a little bit more. We have been dealing with forgiveness and really the things that people do instead of forgiving. We call them the alternatives to forgiveness. So what we've been dealing with is the alternatives to forgiveness. So what we've been dealing with is what people do instead of forgiving people. People do all kind of different things instead of doing what God commands us to do and forgive. We come up with all sort of alternatives Instead of just doing what God said we need to do and forgive. Why do people try to come up with all sort of alternatives as opposed to just forgiving? Because forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is not cheap. It takes something from you. And so we don't like, we like bargain when it comes down to relationship. Bargain. 
And I've always said, and I think the Lord wants you to know this too, you get what you pay for, especially when we're talking about bargain for relational things. You can't cheat relationship. <laughs> we cannot cheat relationships. Preacher, what do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. Whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. You can't cheat relationship. So you can't put minimal in and think you're going to get maximum out. Don't work that way. We can't cheat relationships. So whatever you put in is what you're going to get out. And so if, if, if you decide that forgiveness is too costly, so I'm not going to do it. Understand the first thing. If we don't forgive, God don't forgive us. Don't forget that, right? We already covered that. If we don't forgive someone, God don't forgive us. And if we're not forgiven, we will not spend eternity with Jesus. But when we don't forgive, then it costs us the other way. And we have to be careful with that. If we don't forgive, God don't forgive us. But if we don't forgive, that relationship is not what it needs to be. Forgiveness is costly, and we need to understand there's no bargain to that. You have to do what you have to do. If you, you know, man, I hope I get, I want to finish this tonight. Um, It's important to understand. I say this many times over and over again, but it's worth repeating over and over again. The most important thing in this world, out of this world, I don't care where we are. The most important thing that exists is relationship. That's not something that you can treat nonchalantly. That's not something that you should be weak in. That's not an area you need to be weak in or treat it nonchalantly because it's the most significant thing that is that exists in the human race and in our relationship with God. Try to find something more important than relationship. When you find it, let me know because there's nothing. So you can't treat relationship like Okay, these five things are important and relationship is third or second or fifth. No, no, no. Relationship comes above every single thing in this world and out of this world. If we're not good at it, we need to work on becoming good at it. It's the single most important thing that we will ever have to do in our life. It's the most important thing. Our relationship with God and our relationship with people. Remember, all of this exists. And we're here because of one thing, relationship. Not for us to have more money, not for us to have a better way of living, not so we can use each other, relationship. And unfortunately, we don't treat relationship good, like it's priority. The most expensive diamond is not more important than a relationship. All the gold in the world, not more important than a relationship. We need to start looking at relationship as the single most important thing in this world. And most people that leave this world, that die and have regret, the regret 99.9% .9 of the time is about a relationship that didn't go right. Because it's the single most important thing. And probably when you get to that place of dying, you realize it is the single most important thing. When Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Ghost just gave me this. When, what was the last thing Jesus said when he died on the cross? What did Stephen say? Relationship. He didn't say, I want this or I want that or I wish I could have this. No. Relationship. Jesus talked about his mom, take care of her. He talked about, Father, forgive them. Stephen talked about, don't hold us to their charge. 
Because relationship is the single most important thing in this world. And out of it, we better learn how to have great relationships because it's too important. You can't put anything off or put anything above relationship. All right. When you, when someone offends you or you are offended by someone, we need to go straight to dealing with the issue unforgiveness. We don't need to try to use any alternative way of handling an offense. Every offense needs to be handled in a way of forgiveness. And so we've been talking about all the alternatives in forgiveness. So now let's talk about a couple, just two. It's only two alternatives that we would read about tonight on forgiveness. And let's look at them. All right. Let's look at them. There is an offense that takes place and things are out of balance. Remember we say that? Remember that? We said when, when there's an offense, things are no longer in balance. They, they get out of balance, right? And so when there's an offense, there, there is an imbalance that takes place. You know it. You just didn't word it that way. But there is some, you just feel there's something between you and that person. And sometimes you say, I can't put my finger on it. But you just know there's something there. Because the Lord is so interested and, 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 and wanting to see relationship right with us that if he doesn't make you uncomfortable about anything, he's going to make you uncomfortable about relationship. Your relationship with him and your relationship with others. Anytime that relationship is suffering from some kind of offense, God is going to make you uncomfortable to make you aware that there's an in or imbalance. And so there's an imbalance. Someone does or say something or doesn't do or say something and it causes this offense to take place. Now because of the offense, there must be a balance brought back to this situation. There's a powerful desire within you to make it right. And when you feel something in your heart to say, I need to make this right, guess what? We need to make it right. Because if we don't, that situation will destroy us. When God puts something in you to say, go make it right, you need to go and make it right. And you can't worry about your feelings or what the other person will say or do because God is trying to save you. He's not sending you because he's trying to make your life miserable. He's sending you because he wants to save you. So he's saying, go. Remember what I said. The scripture that talks about for where two or more are gathered in my name, there shall I be in the midst of them. Remember what I say. God is present everywhere all at once. He don't need me and you to get together for him to show up. He's present everywhere all at once. So the scripture that says where two or more are gathered in my name, what he's saying is when two or more people have been offended and they want to work out that offense to get things back in balance, I'm in the midst of that. I will help that. I will work in the middle of all that. And so when God put into your heart to go and make it right, just know this. He's working in the midst of this. So I don't need to be worried. I don't need to be ashamed. I don't need to be worried about what the other person may do or say. I just need to go because I feel this prompting in my heart that I must go. And if I'm supposed to go, I mean God's got my back and I need to go. And so the only way you can bring things back in balance when things get out of balance through offense is to go and forgive. <laughs> All right. Retaliation is the offended one lowering himself to the level of guilt. But the problem with retaliation is it always result in more retaliation. So sometimes instead of forgiving, we retaliate. 
Instead of forgiving someone, we retaliate because you felt like they offended you, and I got to straighten that out. You got to take matters in your own hands. And remember, we've been reading, the Lord says, vengeance is mine. So retaliation is like vengeance. And God says, that's mine, that's not yours. So you can't go and retaliate because they hurt you or made you upset or whatever the case may be. Retaliation always result in more retaliation. So you got offended, you got hurt, and you retaliated and did something to hurt them. And they retaliate back. And you retaliate. It's an all-out war. Retaliation is not the answer for when one is offended. We go to the next... So, so listen to this. So we go to the next greater level. Now, we're saying, since retaliation don't work, let's go to something that's more spiritual. Because mm-hmm. we know retaliation is not right. So we said, let's go to something more spiritual so we can make it right. But remember what I said, only forgiveness makes it right. Nothing, nothing else. And so, guess what we do? I'm just going to go through life feeling like, you know what? I can't do any retaliating. I can't treat them a certain way. So we kind of go through life resenting them. But we don't call it resentment. We resent them. Can't even stand the look on their face. So we didn't retaliate. We just resent them now. So we can't stand them. What is resentment? Resentment is the feeling of displeasure or indignation at something regarded as an injury or insult. Resentment is the hatred or ill feeling and the withholding of love and affection. So when you resent somebody... You have ill feeling towards them. You withhold your love and your affection and you don't do it. Come right into your bedroom. Married people do that sometimes. The Lord says, your body is not your own. And more women use that tactic. They draw away from their husband, especially if they know the husband like to touch. You try to grab him, they, uh, get off me. No affection. You mad about something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm very comfortable talking about what I'm talking about. Because I know when I'm being led by the Spirit. And so we do a lot of withholding because we have resentment because there was an offense. And God is not pleased. We might feel good about it. I'll fix you. God is not pleased. You know what we got to really realize? I can't let nobody make me sin. I got to not let nobody make me sin. Can we get that in our mind? Bob, I got to make sure I don't let anybody. You know what that means? If somebody did me wrong and I decide that I'm going to handle the situation a certain way, that's contrary to what God said needs to be done. Now they're pulling me. They're making me. Well, I'm really making myself, but I use the situation to pull me into sin. As opposed to just doing it God's way. So when we can't retaliate, we just resent them. When the offended decided that restitution by the offender is not possible and that retaliation is not acceptable, then guess what? They realize that there's an imbalance. Uh huh. What do they do then? What do they do then? Resentment is the offended adding to his own 
damages by harboring feelings and attitude harmful to his or her own spirit, soul, and even body. Did you get that? When you live in resentment, instead of going and, and say, honey, you really hurt my feelings. You didn't apologize, but it's okay. I forgive you. Woo, woo. That's just hard. But that just tells where you are with Jesus. And so when you go, lady, to your husband and say, honey, you really hurt me with that thing. Honey, you did damage to me with that thing. I can't tell you how much that thing hurt me. But you know what? It's okay. I forgive you. No problem. I forgive you. That's the way God said to handle it. Not become resentful and withhold and draw yourself away and no hugs and no kisses. Barely want to cook. All of this stuff. No, 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 no. That's not what God wants. That's not what God wants. You're putting yourself at risk now. This is not about the, the man now. Look. Resentment is the offended adding to his or her own damages by harboring feelings and attitudes. So you got hurt and you're harboring feelings and attitudes, which is killing you even more. Hebrews 12, 14, 15. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby may be defiled. So what happens is when you begin to become resentful, right? When you become resentful, you, you, you let that stay long enough in you, it becomes bitterness. A root of bitterness will come up in you. And all of a sudden, bitterness overtake you, and you're wondering, what's going on here? Why am I so bitter? Well, God gave you an opportunity to go and forgive, and instead of you forgiving, you didn't do it, and now bitterness sprung up. Listen to this. There were eight trials that they put the Lord Jesus through, and all eight of them violated the Jewish law. <laughs> they beat him while he was bound. They wasn't supposed to do that. They tried him at night. They wasn't supposed to do that. The crown of thorns and the mocking were all wrong. It was against the law. You weren't allowed to do such things. And then they put the cross on him for him to bear it alone. As far as I know, Jesus Christ was the only one condemned to die by the Roman system that carried his own own cross. Everybody else that was condemned to be crucified, they got help with carrying their cross. So, not only was Jesus innocent, and they were putting an innocent man to death, but everything they did leading up to the crucifixion was wrong. Now, he had right to retaliate. <laughs> That's so we think. Uh, did any of you go on trial for crucifixion? And they did the trial all wrong? Everything was wrong? Did any of you get crucified on the cross? Did Jesus say when he was on the cross, I wish you all just fell down and died? He didn't do none of that. So I don't know where our wiggle room will be for us to do anything other than what Jesus did. Forgive them. Forgive him. Forgive her. How can God love that low down dirty scum? The person that did you wrong, God died for them too. <laughs> I got that revelation one time too. I remember, I remember uh, thinking about that because I used to hear people say when they dealing with, you know, people, I would hear them talk 
you know, about people in a certain way. And it hit me one day. Like, we talk like God only died for us, but they didn't die for this person. Like, only you can repent and God forgive you, but that person can't repent. Like, I've heard conversations like that among church people. Like, some of us had the right to repent because God died so we can repent, but some of us don't have the right to repent because he didn't die for that sec. We, a lot of church people behave like that. Now, we know that's not true. That's not right. But a lot of church people behave like that. Like, they were the only one that had the opportunity to repent when Christ died, and some other people didn't have that right to repent. Restitution is not going to happen, and retaliation is going to harm me as well and result in war. And resentment harms me more than the offender. And the preacher preached about hate, and I can't do that anymore. I'm still not going to give them anything. That's what we say. I'm going, here's, the, here's the final alternative that we do. I'm just not going to hate them, so I'm going to just practice what I call reservation. That's, that's, that's the last alternative we'll talk about tonight. Reservation. That sounds good. Reservation. A keeping back, withholding, or setting apart. <laughs> what happens when you decide to alienate somebody because they did you wrong? Because that's what reservation really comes down to. They did you wrong, so you say, I'm not messing with them no more. Mm-hmm. Reservation. That's a big one, too. I'm not messing with them. They're not right. They're chaotic. Blah, 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 blah. And then we go tell somebody, yeah, I don't mess with them. Now, what happens... If some of your friends become their friend and you don't mess with them anymore. So I got an issue with Tom, but because I have an issue with Tom, I stay away from him now. Crystal and I are friends, but she's friends with Tom too. How's that going to work? Uh-huh. Reservation, we make it like it's not that bad. I'm not doing anything wrong. I just don't mess with them. <laughs> That's a big one in church. That's the big one. That's probably the biggest one in church. Because all the other ones are so blatant that you're wrong. So we try to stay away from those ones. But the reservation one, we do that in church. Yes. And you know how we justify it? I just want to keep my mind right. I want to keep my heart right. I'm not messing with them because, you know. And so we say all these church talk while we're not doing it. But what we don't realize is reservation bills because we're, we stay in our box now. And then the person picks up on it and they stay in their box. So now two people are coming to church. Sitting on opposite side of the room, sitting a couple of, you know, rows back and all that stuff. And they're staying away from one another. But sooner or later, they're going to have people in common that they know. How do you work that out now? And what's going to happen is those two people that's doing a whole reservation treatment, they're going to harm somebody else. Because sooner or later, I was talking to Tom, and he was just telling me, and you you quiet. You never talk to Tom. He's such a wonderful. And you quiet. Oh, sooner or later. You can't, you can't, you cannot keep living like that. Sooner or later, it will catch up to you. Reservation. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Reservation does not work. But it degenerates eventually into war. You cannot prosper in God by coming to the house of God and sitting in your little box and allowing that other person that you don't like to come in the house of God and sit in their own little box. It doesn't work because they're going to try to incorporate their 
fellowship, they're going to try to incorporate in their fellowship every person you have ever met. And you are going to try to incorporate in your fellowship every person they've ever met. And people will gravitate to one or the other. So this is how it goes. Let me tell you how people do. Women are queens at this. Or princesses at this. So I got a problem with you. Me and Crystal are friends. All right. You're going to try to get Crystal to be closer to you than me. And I'm trying to get Crystal to be closer to me than you. It doesn't stop there. Now, all of a sudden, I'm trying to get Bob to be on my side. And you're trying to get Bob to be on your side. And we keep going. You try to get this idea. And, 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 and that's what we're doing. We're not saying it. But that's exactly what we're doing. Trying to see who can speak to more people and who, who has more friends. Because the more people that's on my side, the more I know I'm right and you're wrong. <laughs> and we play that game. We don't call it that, but we just play the game. And so if I can get a whole lot of people on my side, I don't really have to speak to you. Because now I've got a lot of people that I just hang out with. So I don't speak to you. And so now we have church and people not speaking. And we try to dress it up, make it look pretty, like no, nothing is wrong. And God is saying, you think I don't know that mess? What y'all think? I'm, what, 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 what y'all think? Come on, let's pray for um, Mike real quick. Come on, man. Let's lay hand on Mike. Mike struggled in here tonight. We can't let you go home without praying for you. Come on. Let's lay hands on Mike. Come on, man. Come on, Brother Shark. Come on, Trump. Come on, man. Let's pray for Mike. We want God to touch his body and heal him right now. In the name of Jesus. You came in, and we want God to touch you. Father, in the name of Jesus, according to the word of God, according to the authority of the word of God, we pray in faith that from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, Lord, you will touch him and make him whole. I come against every disease. Every ailments and sickness, I come against them in the name of Jesus Christ. I command them to be eradicated, and I command them to be free in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray miraculous healing, and that you would touch him and make him whole. Touch his legs, touch his body. Will you make him whole? Will you heal him? Will you touch him right now, Lord God? I pray in the name of Jesus, the prayers of faith, and that God, you will heal him and touch him and make him whole. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Step like you believe, Mike. Step a little harder. Step a little harder. The Lord is here to touch you even more. Step a little harder. Step a little harder. Walk it out and say, Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, you are the great physician. Jesus, you are the healer. Jesus, you are my great physician, my healer. Jesus, have your way in his body. In the name of Jesus. It is possible for a person to say, I will talk to you and I will talk to you, but I won't talk to you. It's not possible. Not we're in the same church and all that stuff. So we can't stay in our box and continue to exist. No. There is no fellowship in that. And there is no unity in that. It's not pleasing to God. We've seen it. In churches. In districts. We've, we've seen those things. And it's not pleasing to God. Reservation is satisfactory to both parties. Until one crosses over the boundary. There's boundaries that you set. Mm-hmm. And so when one crosses the boundary, then it's just total craziness. Each field, they got to protect their territory. Reservation is not the will of God. It's not what God expects. Psalms 34 verse 14 says, depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The word of God does not allow us to live on reservation because we are to be proactive. We are to pursue peace. That's what the reason for the barrier is. 
to be removed so we can get peace. So we got to remove the barriers that we bring in because of reservations. We started talking the other day about how do we know the forgiveness is supposed to be. And this is the final thing. I'm done. And as I study more and read more about this forgiveness thing, it is said that when we truly forgive, what we're doing is making that guilty become innocent. If you really forgive somebody, you can't bring it back up. Because you look at that person as innocent. When you truly forgive somebody, there is nothing there anymore because you don't look at that person's guilt because you you look at them as innocent and you look at them as they never did it. When you really forgive someone, how do we know that? That's how Jesus looked at us. Can you imagine if Jesus was forgiving us of all of our sins, but he was like, yeah, I forgive you, but hmm, that's not what Jesus does. When Jesus forgive you of your sins, he make you who were guilty become innocent. This is what this is why the Bible calls the devil the accuser of the brethren. And the devil go before the Lord and accuse you. And all you have to do is apply the blood and ask for forgiveness and the Lord smiles at the devil when he go to accuse you. Cuz the Lord says, "What are you talking about?" He did so-and-so. What are you talking about? That's what Calvary was all about. So we do ourselves a disservice when we don't go to the Lord and repent, ask for forgiveness, and forgive the individual that offended us. We do ourselves a disservice because now the devil is accusing you before the Lord and that sin is on you because you never really forgave. So that accusation is legit. And until you forgive, that accusation against you is legit. When you forgive, that accusation don't exist anymore. And you are like innocent, like you never did it before. When we forgive someone that offends us, we have to look at them as innocent. We have to bring them up from guilt to innocent and make it like it's brand new. That relationship should be brand new, like nothing ever happened. It's not impossible. Don't even begin to go down that road. I can't. Because what we do a lot of times, paralysis by analysis or analysis by paralysis, whichever one you, whichever way you want to look at it. When we don't want to do something, we analyze it with our own mind, with our own experiences, with all that we've gone through. We analyze it with that and then says, I just, I just, I just can't. God will never ask you to do something that you couldn't do. And you won't have an excuse because he says, Paul says, I can do all things through Christ. So if you can't do it, God says, I understand. But if you will work through me, you will be able to do it. So it's through me that you will do it, not on your own. And everything we say we can't do is because we want to do that on our own. If you can't do it, it's because you're doing it on your own. If you will trust God and do it through him, then you're doing it through Christ. I think I had one more scripture here. In James 3 and 18, the Bible says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. You want to be considered righteous? Make peace. The Bible says, Blessed are the peacemaker." For they shall inherit the earth. Yeah. 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 So if that's what, if you want to be a child of God and you want to be righteous, you got to make peace. But you make it through forgiveness. Not by the way you say. Not reservation. Not retaliation. Not restitution. None of those things. We have to do it the way God says. No other way. Any questions? No, you always have a question, Crystal. That's all right. Come on. 
give us at least a couple. Give us a couple, and we'll take the other three offline. Give, give us a couple. Mm-hmm. That we never bring up the innocent. Mm-hmm. Take them from guilty to innocent. Uh-huh. And so it's like the spiritual side of me is like, man, that's amazing. I would love to be, you know, as close as Christ like possible. Mm-hmm. But the human side of me, my flesh, is just like, is that, like you mentioned, I'm sure you're talking to me before, is that even possible? Yes, it is. just said you just said you you fell out the chair you have reservations you're worried about it and everything that we talked about is on Jesus not on you you you've heard me said this listen I'm telling you like I can tell nobody else I learned years ago that submission to the man of God. I say this over and over. I don't know if everybody gets it every time I say it. Submission to the pastor that I was under had nothing to do with him. Because I can see with my eyes he's got flaws. I can see with my eyes he don't know everything. I can see with my eyes he make mistakes. But why was I so submitted to him? Because I trusted God and God said I was supposed to. Yes. Yes. And if I sat in it, and listen, and all that happened, second time, not even thinking twice, sitting right down. If it fall again, so be it. Seventy times seven. Mm-hmm. 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 Seventy times seven. So every time I sit down, I'm sitting confidently down. Because here's the story. That's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. Can you imagine? Don't even lie to yourself. How many times did you take that same problem to God that you keep messing up on? How many times? And you're confident that he forgave you. It's, I can't tell y'all how much what I'm saying. We, we, we underestimate that relationship with God, how it really work. We have to get away from thinking that, I don't know how we think sometimes. But if we ever get into looking at, remember I told you, I learned this at ALI and it's been a blessing to me. We, yes, we need to know the word of God, but more importantly, we need to know the ways of God. Because I won't always know what the word means. And if you want to go deep, some of it you won't know because you really don't understand the culture it's coming from, the Greek behind it, the Hebrew behind it, whatever. So you won't always know it. But if you understand just the ways of God, then you will handle things so much differently. So your submission what we do has nothing to do with you or the individual. I can do all things through Christ. That's us saying to God, I trust you. I believe you. Because what I know is, just like some people would say, they're just using you in that church. You might have heard that over the years. In all my life in the church, I've had people that said to me, oh, they're just using you in the church. You're going to come and go just like everybody else. I never responded to them verbally. But you know what I said in my heart? If that's it, 
And that's it. God sees and knows all. And I trust God what God's going to do in my life. Can you imagine if I never saw it like that? I can't tell you how many people told me that. You just getting used up. And I'm walking around saying, okay, whatever. I trust God. And if God going to let somebody use me, Bob, then okay. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, and if he thinks I need to be used, then okay. This is all about your relationship with God. Remember, I started out by saying the single most important thing in this world is relationship. That's what I'm working on. That's what I'm working on each and every day. Relationship. Forget about all the other stuff because relationship would control everything else that will come. So that's what I'm working on. So I'm not worried about all the other stuff that my mind can think of. That, 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 that people may say, no, because this is, I'm doing it because God said it. I'm not doing it because I trust you and I thought you were just the greatest and you let me down. I'm not doing it because you let me. You might let me down. I'm doing it because I know who he is. Give me the next one before we go. Well, I think all both things that you said is more fleshly than it is spiritual. Um, the reservation that we will have that we feel like is not harmful or ill will is back to what we talked about last week is kind of protecting ourselves. Again, you. So by you having reservation, no ill will, not trying to, but it's you trying to protect yourself from being hurt. You, where is God in that? That's all I'm saying. Where's God in that? And so that's what we got to really realize that that's what we work on a lot. We, we're going by, I don't want to get hurt. I'm just trying to make sure I know how to deal with them. Well, I don't have to make sure. How I deal with you. Because the Bible says, when we started out reading, I say, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's how the scripture started out in 543. You have heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say, love your neighbor and do good to your enemy. Where's the wiggle room? What are we going to do then? Are are, are we going to I just, you know, they they hurt me real bad. I got to recover and I got to make sure I, I, I. When it happened, the best way of handling it, Crystal, is get on your knees and spend some time there for a minute. See, our little five-minute prayer, two-minute prayer, three-minute prayer, telling God everything, that's not going to help it. We got to get on our knees. And I mean, when I say pray, when I mean worship, when I mean call on the name of the Lord, that's what we got to do. And that might take a little bit of time. And when you get up out of that, now you can go forward. But if we just stand and say, God, I'm hurt. Can you forgive me? Please help me. You're still, you're still under your own power. And so it needs a real spending some real time with the Lord to do these things. And that's why we can't seem to connect some of it. And and we feel like, how can you spend some real time with the Lord? If we will spend some real time with the Lord, we will say, we will see how these things I've, I've, I've experienced that. I experience a time in my life where I was fasting for some days and I had to have a conversation uh, where someone was giving me a hard time. A couple of times. I remember just being in the spirit and somebody challenged me. The humblest I've ever been. The fasting time, being in the spirit. Anytime I have challenges and I'm fasting or um, I'm in the spirit, I say to myself, who is that person? 
I go third person because I don't even know how I'm doing it. I don't even know how I'm doing it. I'm in third person. I'm like, how are you not saying anything? How are you not sweating? How are you not coming at them to prove your point? And that's when I know because I'm not in my own self. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the power of God. But something had to go before that. Some prayer, some fasting had to go before that. And so I was able to respond the right way. And so this is why I can say what I'm saying is, if we will let God be the one that we're doing this for, and we will give ourselves the prayer and fasting and submission to the power of God, none of this will be as hard as you think it is. <laughs> no, no, no. I know you're not the only one. Don't worry about it. You ask good questions, and I'm sure everybody's thinking just the same way you're thinking, but that's why I asked you to ask the question. Yes. Can I tell you this? We don't have to learn a lot. We just have to go deeper in our relationship with Christ. <laughs> it, it's not so. We know. We, I have confidence that all of you in here know enough to minister to any lost person and lead them to Jesus. I'm not worried about that. What I'm concerned about is how deep we go in our relationship with God. Because the, 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 the most ignorant person, the most, the, the least read person, when they get deep down in Jesus, you would think they're a scholar. Because this is just something about what the Holy Ghost does. When you connect with Him and you get in a relationship with it, just, it's something else that's happening. So I don't think we need to learn a whole lot because we know a whole lot. I think we just need to get in deeper relationship with him. And when we get there in that deep relationship with him, that's what's going to make the difference. Uh, let, listen, here is the truth of the matter. And I'm glad we're here. I can say this. The truth of the matter is what I just said is probably the most profound thing I've said all night. Because you can look around and see that we're backing off. When, when you get in a deep relationship with God, nothing keeps you from where, whatever is going on in God. But we can look around and we can see people aren't prepared. People aren't pushing hard. Now we can justify when we get together as a body for church service, we can say, well, you know, I kind of have an idea. I was reading the other day. And so we get into all of that. And we never stop to say, what might the Lord want to do when we get together? We could have got here tonight and started praying and worshiping God. And the Holy Ghost could have just, uh, and take a hold of us and do something supernaturally powerful. And we never get to Bible study. Do we think like that? Or we just think, yeah, we're going to go and pass it, going to teach us a couple of things. So we begin to have a different kind of expectation as to what's going to go on in here. So it's about going down in that relationship. That's what this is about. We don't need all the knowledge anymore. We've got plenty. we got TV. we got Google. we got church service. we got everything. we got um, Facebook Live. we got all the stuff to get the word of God now. It's not the knowledge anymore. It's the relationship and guess what? It's not cheap to get good relationship. The, we're struggling because we're looking for a way to cut corners like we do everything else to get a good relationship. And unfortunately, Bob, ain't no good relationship, especially a godly one, is going to happen with cut corners. Can't. Not possible. He done went through too much. For it to be cut corner. He ain't cut no corner. Just got to go a little deeper. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we thank you for this word tonight. There's something that you have imparted into our heart tonight. There's something that you're doing even now. And oh my God, I pray that the word will continue to saturate and permeate in our heart, Lord God. 
Lord, that this just wasn't a word that was spoken. It was impartation that took place, Lord God. And, Lord, while we're convicted, Lord God, why, oh, God, we feel the pressure of understanding the importance of going deeper and drawing closer. Lord, I pray that everything that's been spoken here tonight will truly move into our heart, take root, and produce fruit, good fruit. Lord, I pray that you'll bless us. I pray that you'll strengthen us. Lord, more than anything else, will you put a desire in us to want more from you? Put a desire in us to want to be closer to you. Put a desire in us to want to seek you, to seek your face, to seek a greater, deeper, more intimate relationship with you. Father, I pray tonight in the name of Jesus that you have your way and that God, each and every one of us, in some way, somehow, for the glory of God, that a change will take place in us, that we will not remain the same, but God, the power of the Holy Ghost, uh, will make a change inside of us. Lord, touch Mike again. Jesus. Forgive us, for we know within ourselves that we love you. But God, we have neglected to seek you like we need to. Whatever that hindrance, whatever, oh God, that we allow to come in between us and you, that prevents us to draw nigh, that prevents us to go deeper, remove it, Lord. For we want to draw nigh, we want to go deeper, and we want to truly experience real relationship with you and with our fellow brethren. Thank you for your word and thank you for bringing us together in Jesus' name. God bless you.